Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but as you know by now, we're in this together and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, this is actually a pretty important episode as it marks the one-year anniversary of the start of this podcast. I can't believe it. We've had some amazing guests. We've spent over 50 hours together and learned about a host of topics from how to talk about big feelings to dealing with failure to how to talk about mental strength and online safety, divorce, sex, and sibling rivalry. And after over 65,000 downloads of this podcast at this year mark, I'm excited to embark on this next year with you. Before we move forward, I'd like to take some time to look back at some of the lessons learned from our most downloaded episodes. We'll talk about some upcoming guests and we'll have a spotlight topic discussing an area that I've been presenting on and writing about lately, homesickness. Many people have asked me to discuss this topic as their kids are going to be traveling away from home this summer or during the year for various sports or sleepovers. I'm going to touch on that at the end of this podcast episode and let you know where you can learn more about it from me in an upcoming free webinar. And before we get started, I just want to say thank you. I'm so amazed that we're here at this year mark. It's amazing to have such committed and loyal people listening in this audience. I've had people tag me on Instagram posts and Twitter posts and Facebook posts and even send me notes that say, I've listened to your podcasts and I've used the tips and scripts you've provided and it worked. Or I passed that episode, that specific episode on calming strategies or death or bullying to someone who is having a hard time with that exact problem. And that expert and that advice was just what she needed. So sitting here in my office during this podcast in New Jersey, it feels great to picture all of you, you know, sitting wherever you are, in the car, in your homes, in the coffee shop, or wherever you're listening to this episode, and feeling like we are providing what you need. And as I'm writing a book based on this podcast, you will be getting even more. And when it comes out, you'll be the first to know. I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you. And I'm so glad that you love the podcast. So for this podcast, one of the first things I want to do is look at some of our top tips from some of our top guests. I thought it might be fun to highlight the top tips from our top seven most downloaded episodes. So should we have like a drum roll? So the first one is from KJ Del Antonia, who is our guest on our seventh most downloaded podcast. In it, KJ talks about some pretty controversial viewpoints that stem from her upcoming book, 
how to be a happier parent. And actually, we're going to be interviewing KJ again towards the end of the summer to talk about homework. One of the viewpoints that got people pretty stirred up and talking on my Facebook page and my Instagram feed was KJ's advice, don't put your child first unless they're bleeding. On first glance, this can seem really harsh, but KJ's point is that we often put our children first even when perhaps they shouldn't be placed there, leaving little time for ourselves as parents, the couple, if you are co-parenting or the family as a whole, or putting the child first and making them feel like the center of the universe when other people are important in the family as well. She also talks about how we as parents can be happy even when our children aren't, meaning that we can't be so overly identified with our children that their happiness determines ours. It's not fair to the child, it's not fair to us. Our children can't be in charge of making us happy. But KJ left us with one more zinger at the end of the podcast, and it was this. Well, I, I love that you can be happy when your children aren't, and I love don't put them first unless they're bleeding, but the one we didn't talk about is um, what you want now isn't always what you want later. Hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So um, your kids are squabbling, and you really want them to stop, and you could go in and hand them another balloon because you have one, and they're fighting over the one balloon, but maybe you want them to learn to work this out. Mm-hmm. Big picture. Yeah, big picture. Um, your kid is struggling. You know, they don't want to do. They don't want to bring their clear their plate. Oh, yes, right. And they get up sure. for like you know, three solid months. Every day after dinner, they get up and leave their plate. And every day oh, you say, "Come back, put your slate." It would be so much easier to just put that plate in the dishwasher yourself. <laughs> yeah, so would, much easier. It would be easier, it, but not the right thing to do. What right. you want now is not what you want later. So perhaps you're like me and the tips from this podcast have swirled around in your head while you're in the middle of parenting or teaching a child. <laughs> this particular tip, remember what you want now isn't what always what you want later, has rung in my ears as I've spotted my daughter's shoes on the floor of the mudroom, picked them up and put them back in the closet for her, then paused, taken those same shoes out, put them back on the floor, and asked my daughter to come and put them away. <laughs> What you want now isn't always what you want later. I've thought about it when my own kids are fighting about watching one more show or my son is badgering my husband about playing checkers and I just want to sort of go in and mediate the situation for them. But then I stop. I took my son aside. I coached him instead so that he could gain the skill of how to talk to his dad about wanting to play checkers and asking when when would be a good time and noticing what's going on and you know understanding that what daddy is doing is important and how to look in that situation and acknowledge that situation i talk about that on the one tip wonder about a week ago and you can listen to that about the providing a do-over these steps do take longer but they're helping to create the kids and the citizens that we want to raise so where do you see using this top tip in your life how can we all make those adjustments based on that top tip what you want now isn't always what you want later it could be pretty powerful 
Now, number six, our sixth most downloaded podcast is from Rachel Simmons, who talks to us about ensuring that each of our daughters feels that she is enough as she is. This is based on her new book, Enough As She Is, and her latest research on the topic. Now, interestingly, you will see a trend in three of our top most downloaded episodes in terms of their top tip. I hope you hear it all having to do with our actions and understanding how our own behavior affects the actions of our children. Listen to what Rachel has to say about that. We also have to like check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, Mm -hmm. which means that if we get really upset with our children, that we oftentimes either signal to them that something is really bad because whether or not your daughter is willing to admit this or not, she's 100% looking at you to tell you how stressful the situation is. Oh, gosh, yes, truth. Right? So they, they want to know from you. So they want the ability to be off the wall, tantruming, losing their shit, and they want you to be like, it's going to be fine, it's going to be okay, like, yeah. we're going to figure this out. But if mm-hmm. if you get hijacked with them, yes. um, not so two things happen. Not only do they then lose it because the container now feels, the, the container of their security now feels really, really scare you know Mm. uneven and out of whack and suddenly they feel insecure Um, but you also are probably going to like say and do things that you don't want to do because you're going to be emotionally hijacked I mean 85% of my worst parenting choices have come because I was not able to control myself emotionally absolutely absolutely so so the bottom line is the best way to support your kid is like learn how to check yourself um, and how to ask yourself this question like like Uh, The question I often ask parents to reflect on is, all right, how would I parent in this moment if I knew that everything was going to be okay? If I wasn't afraid. Right. Yeah. Like, like like if I thought, if I knew, if somebody gave me like a magic eight ball or whatever and just told me like, everything's going to be fine. Yes. What would I do in that moment? And honestly, I would say 95% of the time it's different than what you actually want to do, which is because you're operating from a place of just freaking out. Yes. So check yourself before you wreck yourself. Rachel brings up a good point here. Of course, we care so much about our children and what they're going through and what frustrates them and hurts them and makes them feel bad or unworthy or scared or sad. But let's put this into context. We've talked about bullying here, failure, online safety, sex, and some other very touchy topics. Excuse that last unintended pun there. If we apply Rachel's top tip here, what she's saying is that when your child is being bullied or when they tell you about a friendship issue where they're feeling isolated or marginalized or failed a big test or didn't make the team, we were getting into Jessica Leahy material here, The Gift of Failure, where you know she talks about getting so overly involved in your child's failures and making them crazy and making it so much worse than it is. You should definitely listen to that podcast too. That was awesome. But when we see our children are going through these upsetting situations, we need to check ourselves because if we match the intensity of our child's emotions, then we're actually making things worse. They're looking to us to see how bad the situation is, to highlight Rachel's words here. Now, This doesn't mean we don't empathize. Of course, we need to show compassion. We need to listen. We need to tell our children, thank you so much for coming to me. I'm sorry you're going through this. You can talk to me anytime. Let's be sincere about it. Let's be empathetic about it. Remember, we talked to Michelle Borba about empathy, and it's so important to model that and really 
show that we care. What we don't want to do is strap on our mama and papa bear suits, roar out loud, and go marching into the school, knocking on that friend's door, writing angry letters, crying in the corner in front of our kids. Save that for your bestie's house or your partner after the kids go to bed or your therapist's office, of course. You can also go to the How to Talk to Kids About Anything page on Facebook. We can talk that out, but for our kids' sake, we have to remain calm. We have to assure our children that everything's going to be okay. And if we want them to stay calm and deal with the situation with a level head, then we need to remain calm and deal with the situation with a level head. Some things need action. Of course they do. But we must do them with our head on straight so that we can make things better instead of worse. All right, so let's look at our most downloaded episode number five, which was Gretchen Rubin. Gretchen Rubin talks to us about four tendencies, and that's based on her book of the same name, The Four Tendencies. We all have different kinds of kids that we parent or teach or coach. Some kids seem really easy. Others drive us absolutely bonkers. You give one kid a responsibility or help them set a goal and he's on it. He's off and running. You don't even need to say anything. You don't need to help make it happen. And you begin to think, what a great parent, teacher, or coach am I? Then you give another kid a responsibility or help them set a goal And he questions everything you do. He is asking you 10,000 questions and you're wondering when and how it's ever going to get done. Still, other kids may need regular accountability to ensure progress or maybe you even know a few who are total rebels and may resist moving forward no matter what you try. Turns out you're not crazy. There's a reason for this. And Gretchen spells them out as the four tendencies. Knowing them can help us understand and adjust how we parent and how we teach. So listen in on what Gretchen says in her top tip right here. Just recognize that you're going to be running into all people of all different tendencies all the time. And they can be different from you. And and um, so you need to think about the tendency as you're turning, trying to manage yourself and manage other people. And just knowing it, just understanding that this is at play, a lot of times can make it much easier to subtly change things in a way that's going to help um, other people like to get with the program better. So it's important to know what our kids need in order to get something done. But it's also important to know what we need in order to get something done because it might be different than what our kids need. You may be the kind of person who's off and running when somebody gives you something to do, or you may be the person who needs accountability or reminders. But think of the person, the child, who needs reminders and accountability. And say you're the parent and coach who doesn't need reminders and accountability, and you're thinking to yourself, what is the matter with this kid? 
why can't they just be more like me? Well, they're just not, right? I talk about my daughter in the podcast with Gretchen Rubin and how she loves to show me what her bed looks like after she makes it. And it's about getting outside feedback and praise because this is what motivates her. And I was thinking all along, like, why is it that she keeps needing to show me that she made her bed? Like, I believe her, I get it, but it's not about me. It's about her and what motivates her. This is something small. And some people are just like that. Others might be off and running when you give them something to do, but you think they need to be reminded and checked in on because that's how you are. And then they feel like you don't trust them. And all the while, you're just giving them what you think you need, right, to get something done. So we do need to understand these four tendencies, knowing that people are going to be different. And when we recognize these different tendencies in people and we recognize the tendencies in ourselves, then we can make adjustments that make it so everybody wins. Okay, moving along, folks. The top tip from the fourth most downloaded podcast is from Dr. Laura Markham when she talks about how to raise peaceful siblings who become friends for life. That's based on her book, Peaceful Parent, Happy Siblings. Dr. Laura talks throughout this podcast episode about ways to help each child feel like you're listening, that you get them, that you think that they are important. One of the tips I love on this episode is about when you see your child, your children getting along, especially when it isn't frequent, since my house, my kids fight a lot. I don't know about yours, but my kids definitely bicker a lot. They're very close in age. But you give them the space and you don't interrupt them when things are going well. And I know sometimes it's time for dinner or time for bed or time to go. But if you can allow them the space when they are getting along, that can be really precious time. In addition, it's important to note that being a sibling is a gift and it's a relationship that can need some evaluation from us from time to time to see if we're giving each sibling what they need independently. This can be especially true when one child needs a great deal more attention than the other. This can be when one child is much younger, when a child has special needs, when a child has more of a needy temperament. How can we assure that each child is important is really what we're trying to underscore here during this podcast episode. So listen in on what Dr. Laura says is her top tip. They have to feel like you could never love anyone more. And no matter what your sibling, their sibling is getting, there is always more than enough for them. If you can do that with each child, you know, um, my daughter once said, Well, I know you love Eli, but I always thought that I was your favorite and dad's favorite. I said, really? I wonder how your brother feels. And she said, oh, he thinks he's your favorite. I said, oh, then maybe we're doing something right. I don't have a favorite, but how great that each of you felt like, you know, you were um, the center of our world in that way. Because I think every child, you know, we never want people out in the world to feel like they're the center of the world. But every child deserves a start in life where they feel like, They've got their parents on their side and they matter that much. And, you know, that's what we want each child to feel like. And there, that's where the sibling relationship. I love what Dr. Laura is saying here. The way I hear it is that every child needs to feel secure in the parent-child relationship. 
And when a child feels secure in that parent-child relationship, that child will develop a more secure sibling relationship. It takes the competition piece down a notch. The kids don't need to compete as much. They don't need to push down the other as much. They don't need to blame and annoy because they already know that they are your number one in your book and that you have their back. All right, let's look at number three. Our top tip from our number three most downloaded podcast episode is from Caroline Knorr of Common Sense Media, an organization that many of you have probably known about and used, I certainly have, to determine the age appropriateness and check the content of various media from movies to TV shows to apps. Caroline Knorr is Common Sense Media's parenting editor, and she spends some time with us helping us to understand how to choose the right media for our children, how to talk to our kids about media that maybe we don't approve of, and why and how to be a good digital role model. One of my favorite quotes from the episode is, when choosing media for your family, use your values as your North Star. Ask yourself, does this media support my values? And how can I use this media to support my family's values? In other words, there is a lot of media out there that we might find questionable. Absolutely. We need to be forthright about what we find offensive and why, what we find marginalizing and why, what we don't agree with and why, what we think is awesome and why. Our children don't learn from osmosis, but when they view media that we approve of or that we disapprove of and we say nothing about what we think about it or why, then they have no idea what's great about it or what the problem is. And if we view media with our children, that allows us to ask you know, what did you think of that? And, and what do you think they're saying here? And do you agree with this message? And then talk about what you think about it, if you agree or disagree, things you wish were done differently or things that you really like that they did. Now, that's an effective conversation. So let's hear what Caroline Knorr of Common Sense Media has to say about media and technology in her top tip. Really keep the lines of communication open talking to your kids about media and technology early and often. Mm-hmm. Um, the conversation about technology and media, it's, it's never over, you know, it's, no. it's ongoing. Um, and the, the expectations and rules are going to change as your kids grow and mature. So, you know, if parents will ask me like, well, what do I do? I want my three-year-old loves YouTube. You know, what do I do? So some of these things we've talked about watching together, maybe checking out the content or, you know, first, but really engaging your kid in conversation. And you can say, well, we can watch it, but afterwards I want to talk about it. Or I want you to think about these, about something when, when we're watching it together. So just establishing that communication. And that means that when your kids really do start having their own interests and, and making their own choices and having that ability to, you know, really do, you know, do very powerful things with their technology. They have a foundation um, where they know that you are involved and they know that you're on board with technology and media and that, and that they can come to you and talk to you about it. Right. So just having the lines of communication open and asking open-ended questions to your kids, you know, without, without judgment, because again, it is their world. 
One thing I want to underscore here is this idea of listening to our kids about their thoughts and their views about technology. This can be a real sticking point for many parents as we don't want our children watching certain things. I get this. I'm a parent. It's important that we listen to our children and ask them, what do you like about this? What's interesting to you? Instead of shutting the door, ask them, to explain it to you, walk through their door so that we can enter their world and be respectful of it so that they will share it with us. When we're open to sharing their world, they're going to be more likely to listen to us and be open to hearing our views. Technology is a tough one. This is a conversation we have in my own house, and we've interviewed some of the best people on this topic, from Sue Chef, who talks about online shaming, to Devorah Heitner, who talks about tech milestones and digital readiness, and Susan uh, Bartell, who discusses digital footprint, and even Eric Scheninger, who discusses the upside of technology in schools. We recently discussed the power of media and media literacy with Dina Alexander. And so this is a really interesting topic, and we've covered a great deal of it. I encourage you to listen to these podcast episodes. And remember, you're not the only one who is thinking in this way. There's a lot of media out there that scares the bejesus out of me too, and I get it. What we want to do is not shut the door because we don't understand it, or we don't like it, or we don't get it. I think the important thing is to really listen to our children, open the door, have them share it with us, have a discussion about it, and then come to conclusions together. All right, let's look at the number two most downloaded podcast episode and get the top tip from there. It's actually a podcast episode uh, that I recorded really early on. It remained one of the top downloaded episodes for the entire course of time throughout the entire year. It literally is one of the very first ones that I put up. It's one of my very favorites. People still quote me, quote uh, the podcast episode guest on this particular podcast back to me all the time. It's with Wendy Young of Kidlutions, who talks about big feelings and anger. I'm telling you, this is one of those podcasts that um, has been handed around. Anytime somebody is dealing with big feelings and their kids, I see other people saying, hey, by the way, Dr. Robin has a podcast episode on this. It's one of my favorites. And honestly, it's one of my favorites too. I don't know what it is about Wendy, but I just think she's like a warm blanket on a cold winter's day. She's like everybody's best friend. Um, She feels like she's talking right to you, that she gets you, that she is you. Wendy gives so many tips on how to help kids and parents and teachers to cope with anger and big feelings in a way that feels manageable. Um, She like really takes your hand throughout the whole thing and gives great scripts and makes you feel like you can do this. So one of my favorite quotes from that episode is, uh, we're all human beings. If we happen to raise our voice, know that not one of us is perfect. Who better to raise a human child than a fellow human being? Oh, I just love that so much. And feelings don't stay big forever. They will eventually subside just like waves that crash against the shoreline. They do eventually recede and go away. It's just a breath of fresh air. So let's go to her top tip about how to help kids who are dealing with big feelings 
and anger. So the biggest tip is watch how you, it's the, really, it's the use of ourselves Mm -hmm. and how we remain calm. Our ability to keep our cool and walk our children through the process of calming themselves down is going to contribute significantly Mm -hmm. to their ability to learn self-regulation skills. We are the model for that self-regulation and how well we are, and you know, how our ability to remain calm, calm ourselves directly impacts our our children in two ways. One is through co-regulation, which we talked about earlier, and the other is through modeling. They just, they're watching us to see, how do I handle this? Mm -hmm. Our kids watch us to figure out how to handle every task imaginable. And it's no different when it comes to managing intense, angry, or over-the-top feelings. So we give a template to our children and we, we show them every day. This is what it looks like to manage emotions or to manage anger or to manage over-the-top feelings. And we always want to lead by example. So Wendy, when she talks about calming down our children, she uses the NOW acronym, N for normalize anger, O for offer strategies or opportunities, and W, work with children on managing big feelings. That's actually an acronym she developed for this particular podcast episode. So in that top tip, she's also talking about parents and educators doing the same. It's normal for us to get frustrated and angry and irritated and annoyed and honestly downright furious when we are parenting or teaching a child. Children are frustrating at times and it can feel cumulative and overwhelming and this is normal. You're not the only one. There's nothing wrong with you. And we need strategies ourselves. okay? We need strategies for ourselves. We need strategies for our kids. If you listen to what she says about the mad box and the various physical activities that can help our children deal with anger in productive ways, these are all great for kids. But we also need to know what works for us. Is it a hot shower? Is it a walk, talking to a friend, a night out, exercise, a good night's sleep, walking away, gardening? What works for you to blow off that steam and really catch your breath so that you can stay calm. Um, we, we need to stay calm for our children to stay calm. You deserve to attend to your feelings too. You matter. As one of my favorite people in the whole world says, and you actually heard her on one of the first podcasts on how to talk to kids about ADHD and impulsivity, it's Dr. Dara Harris. And she says, you matter in equal measure. And I really take that to heart. You matter in equal measure. She's saying that to parents. You matter in equal measure. And we can't constantly demote ourselves because we're not helping anybody that way. We can't always put our kids first, as KJ Delantonia uh, warns us about. We have to attend to ourselves. We're important. Your feelings are important. You matter. And what Wendy Young is really talking about here is making sure that we do attend to ourselves because it helps the entire situation and it gives our kids a template for how to react when situations get hot and frustrating. Okay, and finally, the most downloaded podcast for the first year of How to Talk to Kids About Anything is with Dr. Laura Barkham again, her second podcast with us, which is on how to stop yelling and start connecting based on her book, Peaceful Parent, Happy Child, and the new workbook that helps parents to deep dive into that material. We do love Dr. Laura on the show. 
In this episode, Dr. Laura talks about how to regulate our own emotions to stay calm and connect with kids and how we can connect with kids before we correct our kids and what children are trying to tell us through their behavior. My favorite quotes from that episode are, if you live with children, you're going to have childish behavior, which may seem obvious, but yet we get so surprised when it happens anyway. And I love Rage only dissipates when it feels heard. What an important lesson when we just want our kids to stop yelling, when we just want them to listen to us. Rage only dissipates when we open our ears and we listen. It may be hard to do. We may need to bite our tongue, but listening can be such a gift to ourselves and to our children. And finally, you can't control somebody else's behavior, but you can always control you and what you bring to the situation. And it's that last quote that speaks to Dr. Laura's top tip for us, reiterating and putting an exclamation point by some of what the other experts have been saying about similar things. So let's hear it from Dr. Laura. You know, we we are told by society that we're supposed to control our children, but we all know we can't control someone else's behavior. You know, just try with the two or three-year-old in the shopping cart in the grocery store. You can't control someone else's behavior. But you can always control you and what you bring to the situation. And if you respond in a calm way, you're changing your child's environment. And your child's brain takes shape every single day in response to the environment in which they find themselves. So if your child's now in a calmer environment that deals in a soothing way with their upsets, your child's brain is actually growing and changing. And this is even true for a 12 or a 15-year-old. So your ch- when you change, your children do change. And you know we think it's for their benefit, and what I just described certainly is for their benefit, but here's the, the real silver lining of everything, which is that, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh my God, parenting, it's such drudgery. I can't, you know, it's so much work. It's so hard. Mm. And it is. But then when we deepen and sweeten our relationship with our child, there's so much more joy in parenting. And our child is so much more cooperative that it's just so much more fun to be a parent and the connection gets better and better as you build on that foundation so that you can totally turn around your experience of parenting so that it is uh, the most rewarding thing and the most joyful thing. So your kid's brain takes shape based on their environment, and we can change that environment if we change our behavior. We can deepen and sweeten our relationship with our child so that the connection gets deeper and sweeter and parenting becomes more beautiful and less daunting and more enjoyable. Believe me, there are days when I can't take that message in so well, but then I stop and I look at my kids and I watch them play or tell a story or snuggle up to me or my husband and I get it. I think it's left up to us to put high beams on the behaviors that we really want to see more of and let go of some of the behaviors that annoy us. Often I think we flip that around, don't you think? Uh, We let, you know, sleeping dogs lie when we see the kids doing the right thing. 
and we're yelling our heads off when we see them doing the wrong thing. Maybe we've got that backwards. We need to highlight what we want to see more of. We can't control anybody else's behavior but our own. And remember, it is all about relationships. That's what we're doing here on this podcast right now. We're talking things out. We're opening doors. We're asking our children to come in and talk to us and trust us. Come to us with anything that may be troubling them or that they want to know more about. And also getting ahead of the game. And this is the tough part, but it's really important that we're talking to kids about things that are meaningful to us, that they know that they can talk uh, to a trusted source, even if it's uncomfortable. And I get it. There are a lot of topics that are uncomfortable. Even even for me, as I'm studying this and interviewing experts and reading the books and really knowing the material backwards and forwards, when you have a human being in front of you who you really, truly care about, talking about some of these very uncomfortable topics, yeah, they're uncomfortable no matter how much information you have. But the key is to do it. Since starting this podcast, I've gotten uncomfortable with you. I've talked to my kids about sex and death and divorce and cancer and technology and failure and mental strength and anything else that has come our way. I've messed up and apologized. I've hit home runs. I've struck out. I'm with you. And while I am with you, I'm also here to synthesize the information from these top experts, to filter these tips and scripts through a child development mindset, to take the research and put it into a parental or teacher's mindset, make it palatable, make it understandable, translate it into usable steps and scripts and tips that we can all use. I'm here with you, but I'm also here for you. And I really want to keep doing more. So what's coming up? We've got a lot of great things coming up with some really super interesting experts on the upcoming podcast. We're going to be interviewing Debbie Reber again. We had her on talking about neurodiversity in her first podcast. She's got her book coming out in June called Differently Wired, all about raising an exceptional kid in a conventional world. And we're going to be delving in deeper to give parents and teachers new strategies that can help neurodiverse children thrive. We're also going to be talking to Gail Dines, who I'm so excited to speak to. She's a top-level expert. She's a TED speaker. She's an author. She knows her stuff inside and out about a topic that can really make us squirm, but we need to discuss it. I really want to delve into it. So she is going to help us talk to kids about porn. I know you're all probably squirming in your seats, at least some of you, but it is happening. I'm going to be doing it right alongside you. We're also going to be talking to Danielle Miller of Enlightened Education. She lives in Australia, has a best-selling book called The Butterfly Effect about raising empowered girls. We're going to be talking about Karen Young of Hey Sigmund, also in Australia, interestingly enough, who talks about anxiety and mindfulness with children. We will talk to Marilyn Price Mitchell. I'm really excited about this interview. She talks about positive youth development and character education and citizenship and what we really need to get kids to take positive action in this world. She's a wealth of information. She's been highlighted widely for her Compass Challenge work and her Roots of Action framework. 
There are more great experts coming up. I'm so excited to share them with you. This is just the tip of the iceberg, but I wanted to just let you know that we are carrying on and we've got some great stuff along uh, the way. Right now, I just want to shift gears and talk about a question I received recently when speaking to an audience of parents about overnight camp and helping their kids prepare mentally for that separation. I'm a consultant for the camp industry. I present to camps about a variety of different topics. I've been doing this for over six years. I was speaking to an audience last Sunday, and the question I received was, how do I deal with homesickness? So as we're coming upon the summer season, on this side of the world anyway, but kids are more likely to have opportunities to sleep out of the house, whether it's summer camp or grandma's house or sleepover party, even if you're not in this part of the world, of course you have kids who sometimes sleep out of the house. All these opportunities can be filled with fun and games, and they also can come with worry. So how do we help our children deal with homesickness in these situations? In this case, I think the first thing we need to do is remember what some of the experts said in their top tips. We need to check ourselves and remember that our children are watching us. And if we are freaking out and worrying and asking them, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you ready? Are you ready? And waving our sort of anxiety flag, then they're going to get the sense that what they're doing, if they're embarking on a sleepover or they're sleeping at overnight camp, that this is not sort of a safe idea. If you feel good about the place and the people and you've done your research and they are sleeping out of the house and you know these people, then you need to show your kids this confidence. Talk to your kids about what might concern them and then meet those concerns head on. It's normal to be homesick and we need our kids to know that. So how do we talk to kids about homesickness and prepare them and get their deep-seated concerns uh, out and make them feel more confident? It's about practicing and labeling and dealing with what's beneath the anxiety besides I'm going to miss you. So as a consultant for overnight camps and a speaker who presents in this industry, I thought it would be helpful and advantageous if I did a webinar on what parents should know before sending their kids off to summer camp or for an overnight. And I will absolutely be talking about homesicknesses on that webinar, but I also am going to be focusing on what I call anticipated homesickness, which I believe is one of the most important aspects to deal with when sending your child off to summer camp or for an overnight, and may actually be more important or at least equally as important as the actual homesickness itself. I have an article coming out about homesickness in U.S. News and World Report, and I'm developing some printables that will help you to discuss homesickness with your kids. Of course, if you're not sending your kid away to summer camp or summer program, you're still going to get a lot of benefit out of this webinar because you can send your child to grandma's house, as I said, or abroad to be with family. Some people do that. Or to a friend's house for an overnight and they may be anxious, and I want you to feel prepared. It's a conversation that we really do need to have with our kids. I actually used these same prep tools with my own daughter, who was going to be sleeping out of the house last summer for the first time when her day camp offered an overnight for their group, as well as when she went to sleep at her Grammys for the first time. There's a good deal of research out there that I want to synthesize for you and make usable and give you the steps to help deal with anxiety around unknown and when uh, kids are away from their, their family and from you. 
This webinar is going to help you to prepare yourself and your children and will help you to be able to have the discussions you need to and do the prep work you need to before they go off so that everybody really feels as ready as they can. So for more information on that webinar, you can go to the bottom of these show notes and uh, the cl- the link will be right there. But I'm also going to just tell it to you. It's drrobinsilverman.com slash homesick. So check that out. It's a, it's a webinar completely free. And I'm just doing it because I I know that it's a question that's very common at this time of year, especially in uh, people who are sending their kids to overnight camp or doing some kind of special program over the summer. And before we end today, I'd like to give you one of my own top tips since we always end with a top tip. Don't get so worried about what you're going to say to your child about any given topic that you say nothing. Our communication with our children is of the utmost importance. They need to know that we're willing to have the tough conversation, that we are willing to get uncomfortable, to listen, to be open to different viewpoints. After all, isn't that what we want from them? Don't we want them to feel like they can come to us, ask us the uncomfortable questions, even if we're going to squirm, discuss a topic with us, even if we don't share the same viewpoint, to listen to what we have to say about values and experience and what we know to be true. I mean, certainly when my daughter was asking me questions about sex or drugs or transgender, I was just grateful that she wanted to ask me about those things. In order to connect through conversation, we need to be willing to have the conversations in the first place. I want to thank you for having these conversations with me. It's been such a fulfilling first year, and I'm really looking forward to what's ahead as I write my book on how to talk to kids about anything, and we keep surging forward on this podcast with all of you. I'm going to be asking you for your viewpoints, for what you want to hear, for what you want to know, what worked for you, what didn't work for you. I want to know. And I invite all of you to join my private Facebook group, How to Talk to Kids About Anything. We're opening that up to people so that we can start having conversations about these conversations. What do we want to know? What worked? What didn't work? We want to know your viewpoint. And uh, you're important to us. I really want to hear it. So I just want to thank you for being part of this amazing group and this journey. It just means so much to me. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything today and every week. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, a curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there. There's show notes up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And would you do me the hugest favor I would just absolutely love it if you can go up to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. It is so important to do because it makes it so other people hear about the podcast. It pushes the podcast into uh, the top page and then it makes it so, um, you know, we have a wider audience, more to draw from, more viewpoints. I really want to expand and I want more people to be able to hear what these amazing experts are saying. I just truly appreciate it. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. 
right alongside me. I am with you. I know it's not always easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. been listening to how to talk to kids about anything with dr robin silverman for more information on books articles speaking engagements or curriculum please visit drrobinsilverman.com